I got the notification. All right. I guess we're live. So, um, I've been out scouting for turkeys, looking for turkeys, asking for permission for turkeys. How many you got? What, what, what do you have set up? Because you're, you're going out in the morning, so. Yeah, so. Tell me, tell me what you've got, what you've seen, and what your plan is. Yeah, so my plan was just to go and scout all the areas I have permission. So one one of the farms I have permission is the same farm I have for duck hunting, but this guy just lets everybody go. And it's like, I think five people have permission to hunt turkeys on his farm. So I'm just like, ah. I'm going to avoid that. Um, you know, I mean, I appreciate that he lets people have permission, but like, um, I just rather, it's, it's almost like hunting public land. So, I mean, that's fine. Um, if that, but um, I think I have a better chance going somewhere else. So skipping that one, actually, he has actual multiple farms. So tons of turkey on it, but you know, tons of people too. So, <laughs> um, skipping that one, um, got another one I have permission on and all I was seeing was a Jake. So going to avoid that one as well. So I got two farms left that I, that I got permission on. Um, and you know, driving between the two. So yesterday I saw two, two toms full strut out in the cornfield, um, on my way to work. And then on my way back, I saw one. Then today I saw nothing. And at the other farm, I saw nothing yesterday, but I saw one Tom out in the field on my way home. So it's like, do I go to the field that has more, but that was two days ago or go to the field that has one tonight. So I'm not a very experienced Turkey hunter. So were the time frames the same or were they different from when you saw the, looked at the field when you saw the two and then the next day you saw none. Were the no, time was, of day is the same or different? It, yeah, it was pretty, it was on my drive to and from work. So weather change at all. What did the weather change over the two days? Yeah. I mean, it was cloudy today. It was sunny yesterday. Um, yeah. So a little change. It's going to be tomorrow. It's supposed to be cloudy. Yeah. Wind direction change between those sunny and cloudy days or I didn't check that. Yeah. I wasn't sure if that made a big difference, but I guess maybe with, you know, their flight or whatever. I'm not, I'm not totally sure on that either. I just was, I, I mean, you some know. turkeys get so habitual that you just know where they're going to be. And then others are like, you know, I had, I hunted two days in a row last year and I picked one field and they were in one off the other, other side of the Creek. The second morning I picked the one where they were at and they were back where I was the first day. <laughs> yeah. That's that. That's and what I feel like. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And then I went out the next week, Dan and I went out the next week hunted this little field this was last this was last year and saw nothing two days later a friend of the farmer went out exact same spot killed a 25 pounder in the morning oh wow (laughs) that'll drive you crazy yeah 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 for sure what's up chance what's up jordan yeah so i decided i'm gonna me and my dad are going first thing in the morning going before work so we don't have like a lot of time to hunt because i gotta be to work by like nine o'clock um, it's 15 minutes away from work. So we're talking like eight 30 pack up and, you know, shoot out of there as fast as I can to get to work. Um, so, I mean, but sunrise is at six forty, six forty five, right? Yeah, I think so. I can't remember if that's half hour before or sunrise. Now I'm confused. I'll have to double check. But anyways, we're going to that farm, um, that had the more, more times than the other one. Um, who knows if it's going to be the right choice, but you know, yeah. Well, Dom has an interesting question. He says, is turkey hunting really filling the duck blues void? And I think that Jordan and I would have two opposite answers to this. <laughs> Mine is absolutely not. I am so unenthused for turkey hunting. I, at this point, I would rather go to the river and watch ducks mm. puddle around in the water. 
I am so pumped for Turkey that I've never <laughs> been this pumped for Turkey before. And I don't know if it's just like going out and scouting and seeing them in the field, but like, and two, like I really want to shoot one with my bow. Like I got a, a pretty cool video out. I put today. Um, well, I actually got it right here. So I made a fan mount that goes on my bow. So nice. <laughs> it, it attaches, detaches. And my goal is to stock up on a big tom. I don't care if it takes me all two and a half weeks. Well, maybe not. Maybe I'm going to take like the first half and try this crazy idea that's probably not going to work. But if it does, it's going to be epic. Um, well, I've seen a lot of videos where they work with those toms just like come. I would be a little intimidating if a huge tom was charging right at me. I'd be a little yeah. intimidated. Well, it, it works way better with the shotguns, right? Because you just, you just lift your shotgun over and bust them in the face. But. Wow. Yeah, um, but with the bow, you got to, like, hide that motion of you drawing back. So, hopefully, that fan can kind of, like, cover it, you know. And, um, and <laughs> How are you going to film that? I guess I'll have, I'll have to see the Tom, set up my camera, and then scoot out there. But I do have a shot cam. So, I have a shot cam mount. Or, no, a tacticam. Tacticam mount on my bow. So, I should be able to get the kill shot from there. Maybe I'll put a GoPro facing me. So, I'll have a, you know, a view of me, a view of the turkey, and then a view of the whole thing with my camera in the back. That's a lot so. of logistics. A lot of things <laughs> have to come together perfectly. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, perfect. yeah, I got some turkeys, got some spots, so I can blow it a few times. But after that, I'll probably just like either switch to hunting it with the bow in a blind or a shotgun, one of the yeah. two. Cause I, so when you, I have when you get, get a one. tag there in Indiana, is it like either you can shoot with a bow or with a shotgun, or are they separate? No, yeah, it's tag. either, and you only get one, one uh, okay. time in Indiana. You don't get three like you do in like other states or – well, we may have definitely have to do some more turkey talk um, in the coming weeks because I, I've got some other some other stories that I had thought of. Not nice. as great as the ones I've told, but there were several times where I, on public land I snuck right up on guys. And I'm, I don't know why I'm always like, go to the where it's like, I could kill that guy and he wouldn't even see me coming. <laughs> like, that's not a bad thought when you're hunting, is it? To be just like, I was that stealthy, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, not saying like I the... want to kill him, but that thought goes through my mind. You're the ultimate predator, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take that guy down. He wouldn't even know it is. I can get away with it. <laughs> yeah. Just take your uh, your duck lander. And <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. All right. Well, I guess let's just jump right into the the, the main meat of the podcast. Uh, so today's episode, it's uh, um, going to be all about concealment. So um, let's go ahead and start with the recording of the podcast. All right. What's going on, guys? Uh I'm uh, Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and we got Elliot, my co-host from Freelance Duck Hunting. How you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited about this topic and ready to go. Yep. So today's topic, um, we're we're talking about our tips and tactics uh, for concealment. Um, you know, very important in the duck marsh <laughs> or wherever you're hunting ducks. Most of us think. Some people don't believe so, but <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, there's definitely some places that I mean where you see uh just people sitting out in the open and that doesn't fly where uh where i hunt at least <laughs> it, it it flies for people taking 60 70 yard shots and winging birds all over the marsh they seem to <laughs> like doing that i've seen multiple guys what they'll do is they'll put their spinner at about 45 yards and then That's... yeah and then they'll sit so far back because they've got no concealment they'll sit on a bucket in knee deep water and what? they'll sit that far back off and they'll, their, their beginning shot will be at about 40, 45 yards. Wow. Because they don't have enough concealment to get close to anything. Hmm. So that that's their plan of attack from the get-go. And I've I would never, highly discourage that type of a. I don't think I've ever killed anything outside of 45 yards. <laughs> 
Yeah, I know I picked a prairie chicken up one time and we stepped it off at about 70. Um, oh, wow. But those things fly 70 miles an hour, so I don't know how far it carried. Yeah. Um, but I know that's the farthest bird I ever remember thinking about the distance on. Gotcha. All right. Well, I guess, uh, you know, I'll just go over my kind of my strategies for um, concealment. So uh, where I hunt, basically, you know, we hunt a lot of like marshes and ponds and, and that kind of area. So, um, you know, for example, my favorite place to hunt, Honey Hole, it has lots of natural vegetation, lots of tall grass. Um, so you don't necessarily have to have a blind, uh, you know, necessarily a, a, an A-frame blind or a layout blind, um, you know. A lot of times we'll just get in the tall grass grass and uh you know grab sticks around and i mean it takes a lot of time um but you know if you brush yourself well in it's it's well worth it because uh you know in places like that we're getting close close action we're getting birds inside of 20 yards um just regularly so uh i mean just for me the natural the natural vegetations and concealment um as long as you're putting in the time you can do it with that so how long so you build it up yeah so like i mean the grass is like super tall i don't even know what what kind of uh there's just different weeds and stuff that grow in there they grow like over your head tall and so we'll just grab <clears throat> we'll grab clumps of them and you know just breaking them off breaking them off breaking them off and then we'll just kind of congregate them all into one area so we'll grab sticks as well kind of like as your main uh support um you know big bigger branches and sticks and put it all around and then stick all that grass in there and it's just all around you so do you ever have birds circling over your head when you're doing that? Um, yeah, I guess sometimes, but usually they end up, they end up landing. So, I mean, if in that but case, then, uh, you're hunting by yourself too, right? No, nah, not necessarily. I mean, I'll hunt with, uh, you know, a few people. Uh, I think I've never hunted with more than three in that spot. Mm-hmm. Well, my, my experience with hunting with more than one person, especially more than two, like three is if you don't have trees over your head and you don't have any kind of top cover if the birds are going if they're in the pattern of circling around because you know mallards when they're wary they may circle three four five times before they come in um where we're at and if you don't have something over the top of you then chances are you're not going to get the birds in because they're going to come over top and they're going to look straight down and i mean we always have normally at least two dogs so if you have two guys two dogs three three guys two dogs you know, your gear around you, even if you're all in camo, even if you're keeping your head down, um, it's for us really, really difficult hmm. to get birds within close range if we're not covered on top. Hmm. So I think it's if uh, if we get it tall enough um, that we don't have that issue with uh, like I've had similar issues where you're not like you, you're blind kind of over time starts to slump over or something because it's all natural uh-huh. vegetation. But if I get it tall enough where it's like, you know. Um, when I'm crouched down, it's over my head. Yeah. Then, then we don't have that issue because if they're just looking straight down and you have all the brush around you, it gives me enough cover, I think, um, for my well, situation. It, it depends on like for us in those situations, it doesn't take much, and it depends on the kind of vegetation. But typically, the kind of vegetation we're in, even the tall stuff, you get walking around at all, and you and the dogs get moving, that stuff gets beat down really, really fast. Mm-hmm. So you can start off with stuff. Um, now, if you're talking making something that's going to be, you know, with sticks and then grassing on top of it, but as far as just natural vegetation, waist to chest high, which you're talking about a little bit taller, yeah. um, we're going to typically try to still get something over the top of us. Um, 
because our experience is that, and maybe we're just bad at looking up. <laughs> maybe that we suck at that <laughs> rubbernecking, but that's what, uh, what we call it. Um, but if we're not covered over top, in fact, when we make a blind, our first focus is the top of us and our second focus is in front of us. So we always want to, to get on top and then worry about in front later. So you're using that like camo, I don't know if it's called like a netting or whatever, but, uh, is that what you mm -hmm. kind of use for your, your cover yeah. on the top and you we just prop it two, up with sticks or what? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We have two camo nets and the important thing about a camo net is you want a big one. And then you want it, you don't just want the netting, you want to have a thin little cord or, or rope netting. You know, I'm, have you ever seen that type where you've got the material and it's reinforced by, um, gosh, I don't know what it would be, a little cord or a little string, basically. Hmm. And that makes it really, really tough. If you get the stuff without the backing on it, um, like most guys I see, they'll carry around like a tarp about the size of a single bed. And um, the stuff we get is a lot bigger than that. And we carry two of them in a little bag. And we, we typically always have that stuff with us, whether, whether we use it or, well, depending on the situation, but we almost always have that stuff with us. So when we start building a blind, we can get the back and the top um, and then worry about the front later, actually. The front is the, le is the last thing that we're concerned with um, compared gotcha. to back and, back and the top. So while we're on this kind of discussion, uh... Um, kind of like a little bit of a side rabbit trail, but uh, what's your thoughts on uh, on sunny days versus cloudy days in concealment? Because, you know, I feel like this is more and more becoming like a, a kind of hot topic where um, a lot of people will, will say like cloudy days are better. But then I've, I've seen more and more where people are saying the sunny days with the casting of the shadow. And I, mm -hmm. I think personally from my experience that I haven't really had trouble on sunny days, whereas some people say, no, it's got to be cloudy. But other people say, no, it's got to be sunny. Yeah. Well, back, back when I started hunting, it was generally thought, and that would have been like 90, 91. It, the general rule was a, a ducky day. When you said a ducky day, you were talking about low clouds and drizzly and just crappy weather. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere in the last 15 years, it's changed to everyone wants a sunny day. Now, I wonder and, if that's like... I wonder if that's uh, dependent on your, your place you're hunting too, because I feel like those sunny days are way better in like in a, in a field a lot of times, whereas like the misty crappy days are good in water. But I, I mean, I don't have a, a huge sample size, but I mean, well, you gave me a few years because the, the website I'm having developed freelance hunt stats. And once I get all my data into that, and then I'll be able to sort it by cloudy versus sunny days. And I will be able to tell you, you know, what my average bird per hunt is on cloudy days versus sunny days. And I cannot wait for that to take place. Would you be able to I'm tell, really uh, would you be able to tell site wide, like, you know, anonymous from the users, but <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I mentioned that to the developer. I just changed developers on this, on this website, but, um, the, the first one is still involved a little bit, but that, that is the goal is to, I would like to have a data pool where I could sort it all and then get all of the data, but I, we haven't got to the point. I'm sure we could do it, Yeah. Um, but we yeah. can't do it now. But yeah, that would be so fascinating. And then you could write blogs and articles about it and have some actual data. Cause I've, yeah. I've talked about this quite a bit is that this is true in, in waterfowl hunting and in life in general is you're out and you have one experience and you say, wow, the ducks reacted this way based on, let's say it's sunny. Oh, it was sunny. And man, they came in and we busted them. And then it happens a couple more times that year. And then because of, two or three events, you just decide, well, that's how it is. 
mm-hmm. because and and once once you have your mind locked in to the fact that something is true not seeing it as true is be is becomes much less likely yeah it's like and, uh when you have your your favorite place to hunt like for me yeah. I, i'm like the honey hole and i know it like that it produces but um I mean, you can't hunt it every time, obviously, but you have this like inkling in your mind and you can have the same thing for sunny days versus cloudy days or like sunny days, the way to go. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's not always true or it might not be true. Once people predetermine things as true, they're going to believe it. Um, no matter what, I mean, it's like the spinner, no spinner thing. Now people will swear that it makes a difference, but I can tell you this from my personal opinion, and I'm not speaking for anyone else. My personal opinion is I've had, I, I have pulled the spinner in the late season, probably 25, 30 times when the ducks were wary and not one single time, not once has it improved what the ducks do. I mean, not once. Hmm. So, um, and, and I, and I use that point to be saying that that may be an example of people jumping to conclusions and then forever just saying it's true. Well, um, here's my problem on that. I've never pulled the spinner. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm determined to continue to try it because more and more and more people are saying, well, it doesn't work like it used to. It doesn't work like it used to. Well, I'm seeing ducks hover over my spinner almost every single hunt. So, you know, and people say, well, well down here in Texas, they've been being shot at. Every, well, in Kansas, they've been being shot at every single. I mean, when, I, when I'm hunting birds in December and January in Kansas, they've been hunted every bit as hard as people who are shooting birds in Texas. I mean, the same season length and dates is the same. Yeah. It's not like they don't ever have a time they're not hunted. So hmm. I, I'm, I'm just not seeing it. So back, back to the sunny versus cloudy. Um, part of me has always said, well, that may be a case of people jumping to conclusions. And because I had never actually heard anyone give a reason as to why that would be the case. Now, now, recently I've heard people, what they're starting to say is that on a cloudy day, there's no shadows, there's no light reflections, and therefore it's like looking into an aquarium and on a bright day, you've got lights or lots of reflection off the water. You've got shadows and it makes it harder for a person to, to pick out. In, fa- in fact, I saw this on. So I'm now a believer of sunny versus cloudy. Sunny is easier to conceal than cloudy. And, and what locked it in for me was that on Cabela's Northern Flight, a video by, by John Lewis, he had his drone up and he showed two different days. He showed a sunny day from a drone and a cloudy day from a drone. And he went through it and was talking about the shadows. I mean, you could see right from that video that on the cloudy day, it was easier to see them. And it's just a combination of, and that was in the field. So that's, that's not even like light reflection, refraction um, or reflection off the water at all. That's just shadows that on a yeah. cloudy day, you can see their blinds a lot better. So originally I thought maybe people were jumping to the conclusion too early and I wasn't, um, I wasn't a believer in it, but after, after hearing people give that reason and seeing John Lewis video about it. Then I was like, okay, well that now actually you give me a reason to believe it. I'm not going to believe something just because a bunch of guys are saying it. You're going to have to like give me specific reasons as to why. And then, then I may have to experience it as well, but I I am a believer in that now. Yeah. I I think I'm on the the same uh, mindset as you with it, that it does, that there's no reason not to hunt on a sunny day because um, I mean, I have friends that will say that, that they don't want to hunt because it's going to be sunny. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I think I'm, I'm along the same line. I think that it, it's, you know, very possible that, uh, sunny days are better for concealment opposed to the cloudy days. Um, and there could be, you know, other underlying factors where, uh, cloudy days in general, you know, are, are cooler, which 
will improve duck movement. So some of those things, you know, could play into that. So maybe you get better movement, but they're not decoying as well. So, you know, that that could be part of the reason why people have a misconception about sunny days. Like, ah, it's sunny, but it was also, you know, 10 degrees warmer than it was yesterday. Yeah, but devil's advocate, when you get down below 20, 15 degrees, a cloudy day is going to be warmer than a sunny day. That's true. Yep. Or high pressure, high pressure days. And and I'd say the worst day is no wind. You, You get a day where there's no wind. And I think that's the worst. And Aiden had a great idea this year, and I'd never thought of it because with no wind, we always try to use jerk rigs. And we were hunting with Aiden, and we were having problems pulling him. And he's like, you know what? He's like, we where we have our jerk rig, there's some movement, but all the rest of the decoys are still. Why don't we pull all the rest of the decoys and just leave out like a dozen where they're all affected by the jerk rig? And we did that, and that one sample size seemed to make it make an absolute difference. Everything mm-hmm. within just decoys around the jerk rig so that everything was within that ripple pool and the ducks acted reacted much better after we made that change. Hmm. That's good information. Yeah. Yeah. At one time, but I mean, at least it's something to keep in mind because it definitely yeah. seemed to work that one day. I mean, that's how you spark an idea. You just get one time and go from there and uh, build on it. And <laughs> yeah. And I had never heard anyone, maybe people already know that I'd never heard anyone say that or mention that, but it certainly worked. That was this season. Gotcha. Uh, so another big uh, or another another thing um, for concealment that I've become a big fan of recently is the A-frame blind. Have you hunted out of A-frame blinds at all? No, I haven't. Okay. Um, yeah, they're just it. It's just a really good way to do it. I think uh, I haven't necessarily done it like in a full out field. I know a lot of people are switching to uh, A-frame blinds opposed to layout blinds, even um, out in cornfields for you know geese and and ducks or whatever you're hunting out in the field. Uh, but you know, this past year we used them a few times, um, in ditches in, uh, you know, high growing grass in a field. And, uh, I mean, it's just so easy for concealment, um, because there's no gaps. It's so easy to build it up, um, above your head level. Um, and the way that the one that I was using, it's, it's angled. So when you build that, uh, that, above the top it kind of folds in on you so you only have just like a hole where your head's going to pop out when the ducks come so i've been a real big fan of using a-frames here recently for concealment yeah we honestly our style of hunting i don't think that we'll ever go to that to an a-frame it just doesn't it does not fit for for how we do things so you don't think like even if uh you had it like out in the marsh that it would uh you know work for you well I mean, we're not going to go away from our layout boats. There's no way because you're not going to get out in a marsh with a dog and then you have to bring in a platform. So now you're bringing in an A-frame with a dog platform because your dogs, it's too cold for your dogs to be in the water. And there's no way that's going to be simpler for us than our layout line, our layout boats. Yeah, that's true. And there's no way you can convince me that something that that tall is going to be better than a layout boat that, that does not protrude above the height of the grass. There's just no way that's better. I can't believe that it would be because I mean, layout boats, you can blend in at the level of the vegetation with the A-frame. I would think that not that, I mean, I think it's got its place, but for us, I'm um, with the A-frame, it's going to stick out three, four feet taller up than, than our layout boat blinds, our layout boats would, would hmm. do. Well, to, to con- contradict that a little bit, them? how are you going to, how are you going to transport yeah, them in there? That'd be, that'd be pretty hard. It would have to be like somewhere that you knew you could leave it. Um, but you know, with public land, you, with all the other countries you have out there, that might leave an issue for you. Um, but 
uh, to kind of contradict your point a little bit, um, I don't necessarily have my own experience from this, but uh, at the Indiana Waterfowl Show that I was at this year, there's a guy that was giving a talk about A-frame blinds. Um, I can't remember his name now, uh, but he's uh, a somewhat prominent figure in the waterfowl community. Um, but he was talking about the difference between like layout blinds in cornfields and A-frame blinds in cornfields and how geese are getting so used to just coming up on um, the, a- the the layout blinds that uh, that they flare from them just because they're so used to them. But the A-frame blinds are actually working better, even though it's a higher profile. So, yeah, I don't necessarily have experience from that. Just, you know, kind of food for thought on that. So how would someone come to the conclusion that geese are flaring off of layout blinds because of their experience with layout blinds? How would they, um, how would they decide that? I, th- I think just experience from, you know, one day to the next or, or vice versa, you know, doing the A-frame blind and then having success with that. But to, I mean, but to, I've, I've heard people say that about layout blinds. And my first thought was, so you're telling me you understand what that goose is thinking. Yeah, so you're you're saying they could be flaring from, like, the set or whatever? Yeah. I mean, there's multiple reasons. Some days birds just don't want to finish, and you can't figure out why. The majority of the time, I would say almost every time birds are flaring, it's because you have not put enough natural concealment on top of you. And I just, from looking at, back to Cabela Northern Flights, from looking at the videos and from... Um, how they do their layout blinds and the kind of natural concealment that they put on top of them, there is no way a goose is is identifying that as a blind. There is no way. Because it looks <laughs> it looks exactly like the surroundings. I mean, you can grass like, okay, now we hunted in, in a prairie marsh this year um, in, what was it, early November. And the vegetation was, the water was about calf deep and the vegetation was about uh, knee deep. So, I mean, it wasn't not very much vegetation and there was four of us and we put on so much natural vegetation on our layout blinds. I mean, we piled it and piled it and piled it that there was absolutely no way that any bird would be able to tell that it was anything other than natural. Uh, I, I just, I, I just cannot, I just can't buy that if you cover something completely and totally proper and no one's face is showing and no dogs are showing that a goose is going to see that multiple times and and then have the cognitive ability to remember that and in flight think back to that memory before and then flare it i just i'm a real skeptic on that so you're saying like if they notice that there's an additional mound in the field that they're not going to recognize that that's different from the prior day well that now that there's like that's a good case if they're coming there every day and they're coming to the same spot and they notice that there's a difference that that's a different that's that's a that's a good point and a good thought because they've been coming to it let's say three or four days and then they come the next day and it's not that they're remembering something from the past which i but yet they're just there's a sense in them that something's different and it makes them more wary i could see that i could see that but then the other side of that to uh you know, the A-frame would also look different, but I don't know if, if what they're saying is that it looks different, but they've seen the difference of like what a layout blind or a group of layout blinds look like enough to realize that that's a sign of danger compared to the A-frame where it just looks like 
more standing corn or something. Yeah. Along and, those lines. and also that's that that's a maker of an A-frame line saying that too, which I mean, I don't blame him, but at the same time, he's trying to sell a product. Yeah. Well, actually, I don't think he he sold one, but he, he I think in his speech, he was saying that he had plans to sell one. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I'm not saying that that's that that's necessarily not true. I just think I tend to be really skeptical of people drawing conclusions on things and then just saying, well, those geese flared because, you know, um, oh, yeah. I, I didn't I didn't finish what I, I guess I didn't even finish what I was talking about with uh, um, that hunt that we had in the marsh. So pintails are uh, around here. Pintails are really, really difficult to get to come right in. And we had four guys, two guy, two dogs. And, and we had those layout blinds brushed so thoroughly and so completely that, that those um, pintails were just coasting right into a marsh that had virtually no, had virtually no cover. And, um, I mean, hiding four guys in a prairie marsh is a chore. I mean, it's almost too hard even to try because there's just so much open space. There's no, a lot of times the cover is, is especially if they've planted millet or something, the cover's really, really shallow. So I just can't, I, I just can't imagine doing it any better than that, I guess. Gotcha. But that's so field what? versus marsh too. And I, I don't have much field hunting experience. I can tell yeah, you. I have more marsh hunting experience as well than field. I have had two separate friends tell me that they have gone to white suits um, with some snow geese mixed in because they feel like their layout blinds are sticking out and geese are getting wary to it. I, I have had two other people tell me that, hmm. but I, so I just tend you, to be more skeptical. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I wouldn't jump off or onto a bandwagon until you know, for sure. <laughs> so what, why would you think, uh, you know, you just curious, uh, you're saying the pintail are more wary than other ducks, but uh, you know, it seems kind of weird that, why are they uh, more wary than other ducks? I don't know. They're they're just. Maybe... You think that with them being that like uh, wary that they wouldn't have such a population problem? But <laughs> maybe that's a different. Yeah, um... the population. I, I did a video about why they're having a population problem, and there's multiple factors, and it's it's pretty interesting because uh, I didn't know, so I, I went and did a little bit of research on it. And by that, I mean, I read like two articles. <laughs> <But> <laughs> you can sound really smart when you said I did research, when in actuality, you're reading a couple of articles that you trust. But um, I, I think maybe they're isolationist a little bit. I know when we, when we use pintail decoys, we always put them just kind of like you would with a goose decoy, not, not scattered in, but kind of on the tips and on the fringes a little bit. Um, so maybe they're just a little isolationist from the other ducks. I, mm. I, I'm not positive, but I know that um, now we don't shoot a ton of pintails. I shot, I think six pintails this year and that was my best year ever. So we typically will shoot two or three a year um, just cause we don't see that many of them. We saw a ton this year, but, um, but they just always seem hard to, to get right in close. Gotcha. Hmm. Yeah. We don't see them around here. So, one of these days, I hope <laughs> we can shoot two next year. They up the, Oh wow. The numbers are already the, out. Yeah. Well here they base the, yeah, they base the limits on the previous season. Huh? See, I thought they all came out like at the same time with like the Delta waterfowl report or whatever. Is that already out? No. You mean the projected duck numbers? Yeah. All that kind of stuff. No, uh, they, I'm sure they have right now. I haven't seen it, but I'll guarantee they have maps showing um, how the habitat is setting up for mm. breeding nesting and breeding but they don't have any numbers until they actually get the hatch out 
Gotcha. But yeah, here, here they, they, um, and rumor has it is that um, all the guides in the, in the state started putting a lot of pressure on them so that they could set dates and start getting some people lined up. So about four years ago, um, they started putting out the season dates and the limits um, in the spring instead of late summer. Nice. Yeah. Indiana still, I swear it's like a month. Like we don't know our dates till like a month before if that it's not far enough in advance. Do they change them around very much? Your dates? Um, I don't know. Honestly, they, they, they do. Jor- they, they, they haven't here for a while. Um, but they're always kind of tinkering with them. And they added a Southeast zone a few years back. And there's always people on the forums, like crying and happy and whining <laughs> and fight the same fights every single year about season dates. Oh, it's wow. going on right now on refuge forums. The fights are going on uh, happening as we speak. Nice. So before we get off the topic, I just kind of want to, you know, for closure on the A-frame and layout stuff, um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know that one works better than the other, but um, for me this year, I'm going to try to use, well, I'll, the group I go with, they have A-frame blinds and layouts. I don't personally have it, but if they ask for my opinion, I'll be like, hey, let's try the A-frame blind because I want to do it more. And it's just compared to laying out, like it's just way more comfortable. So if it works similar, then I'm all for the A-frame. I love laying out. I think it's now when I say laying out, I'm talking in a boat and I have, yeah. I have used a ground blind some I have. Um, but I love laying out, especially if you have doors, because when we first started laying out, we were using hoods and those are really, really hard to shoot with because you have a whole different motion. You've got one hand flipping that hood back. And then after you flip it back, then your gun, then your hand is coming to your shotgun as you're raising up. And just the fact that you're doing a sit up before you shoot that your timing is, is really different. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I've, I don't have a lot of experience in layout, but I just didn't like it. Like, uh, I mean the other guys I was hunting with were way, way more used to it. So they're like, um, I take them, you know, and everybody sits up and take, and I'm like, yeah, you know, like get my gun up. And I think everybody mm-hmm. shot and I shot once and then, you know, everyone's done. And I shoot twice more. I mean, I dropped two geese on my last two shots, but, um, yeah. It's just, I don't know, if you're not used to it, it was just like, man, I'd way rather be standing up. Well, there's nothing much more fun in a layout boat on the water with doors and you feel all tucked in there and your dog behind you resting or head on your shoulder. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. I mean, it's comfortable and I mean, it's it's fun. It is fun. Yeah. Have you ever seen those? Uh, I guess you have layout boats, so um, this is kind of more up your alley, but those, uh, what was it called? Oh, I saw one on like the Facebook waterfowl forum, garage cell site or whatever it's called. And I can't remember what it's called now, but no, it was a beaver. It was a beaver tail sneak boat. Um, and mm-hmm. it had like a 3.5 horsepower mud motor. And I'm like, yeah. that thing would, would be awesome. And, uh, you know, I had the same thing, you know, they'll throw out and how big was the the boat? I mean, it fit a person and a dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of people around here, especially if you're talking the central part of the state, if they want a layout boat, they want a little long tail on it. And if you get that, you better have a buddy that has one because you're not taking a friend. But <laughs> those little bad boys can get shallow, and they're they're cool to use. But we have never put long tails on ours because we we use them a little a little bit differently. Um, because we don't only hunt the prairie marshes. So mm. uh, if you're hunting a prairie marsh, having one of those would be a good value. 
Well, you just need to get two, you know, one without and one with. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've always, we've always carried an extra layout boat with us um, hmm. for, for guests, but th- those, those boats are a lot more expensive because you're, they're a lot heavier. You're typically talking about a 12 foot boat at least, and you have to have a trailer for them. And it gets a yeah. lot more expensive when you go, um, when you're talking, having a transom and a motor on a layout boat versus, you know, an eight to 12 footer, which is the range that we're in with our layout boats. Hmm. Yeah, I think this was, it wasn't as far as, I don't think it was a 12 footer. It was probably close to eight footer. Um, oh my gosh. With a little mud motor, but I'm not, you know, I'm not positive. He did have it. You'd have to have a trailer for it. I think. Did he have the dog behind him or in front of him? Did you see? Behind him. Yeah. Okay. Then that's going to be at least 10 foot. Okay. Probably 12. Cause when we started, we started with eight footers. Uh, we had Carson's pintails or no Carson's puddlers, which is an eight footer. And I poor Izzy, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, we would lay in these marshes and we would have, um, real grass mats over us. And I had Izzy in between my legs, not behind me. Mm. And I went like a year, two years trying to shoot over the top of her. And then it dawned on me. I was like, this is <laughs> really, really stupid. Why in the world would I put my dog in front of me? And she was constantly getting my way or, I mean, and I was, I was shooting over her head, but still it was like the, the, the concussion had to be much louder. And that's yeah. like, this is dumb. I've got to get this dog behind me. Um, and then we, so we upgraded to, um, my dad got a Carson's pintail and then I got something off Craigslist that was uh, 10 to 12 feet and getting that dog back behind you. And then everything started falling into place at that point, but you can't have your dog in between your legs when you're trying to sit up and shoot. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that a similar kind of not necessarily the same, but chief, when he was younger, he would kind of like creep forward, creep forward, creep forward and like stay, you know? And then, like, as the ducks are coming, he's like, kind of just creeps forward. And, uh, you know, he was still less than a year old. And, you know, the concussion from that, um, you know, it gave me a little bit of an issue because he came, became gun shy after, um, you know, one particular time where he got too far forward and the concussion hit him for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, ha- you certainly have to be careful. I was watching a video recently where this dog wasn't steadied at all and it was running in front of these guys and oh my gosh this dog was in danger and this guy was just getting shredded on the comments of this youtube video like oh my gosh that's dangerous just letting a dog run out free um let's let's jump back to concealment yep yep a little bit because there are some things i wanted to talk about as far as kind of the progression i think that that my dad and i went through with concealment that I think a lot of people may be anywhere in this stage. And I think people right now have a real advantage with YouTube because when we started in the late nineties, I mean, if you were doing things wrong, it's not like you were watching videos and going, Oh, that's how you do it. I mean, there wasn't that many. I mean, I think, I don't even think ducks unlimited had a, had a show at that point. Well, there was no, I don't, I had never watched a waterfowl hunt video in ninety ninety one. So if you're doing something wrong, you either um, figure it out yourself or you see other people around you doing it. But now, I mean, you can go from knowing nothing to being an expert in all areas, areas um, just based on watching videos, which I'm sure before you could read magazines on it and stuff. But so we started out being bucket squatters, which is a term that a lot of people use. We just carry a bucket out. All our stuff was in the bucket. You put the bucket down and you sit on it. And if you can get behind cover, great. If you can't, then you just do the best that you can. And, uh, <laughs> 
we quickly realized that if you want birds in close, that's, that's not the way to go. And we were joking about that earlier that I still see people bucket squatting and there's nothing worse for public land than a bucket squatter because they're there. If, if there's not trees, there's no way they're covered enough and they just kill everything in the marsh. So then we got, we ended up realizing that didn't work and we went to trying to build temporary blinds and that was a little bit better, but we've got so many different types of marshes in this state. We've got marshes with no trees at all. And then we've got to everything with flooded timber. So we've got some marshes that are really shallow that we can paddle through. We've got big lakes we go across where you can't paddle them. So you need a big boat. So at some point we decided to get as versatile as humanly possible. So we've got the layout boats fully grassed and covered. Um, we've got the big 18 footer to take us across the lake. And then we've got those tarps um, that we talked about. So um, I think that one of the main things with being concealed is knowing what you need for that area. So if we're hunting prairie marshes, we're always taking our layout boats because there's no trees. If we're hunting this side of the state, we we can walk in and like when we were doing really well this year, we could walk in and just sit with a tree at our back. If you have trees over the top of your head, I mean, you need very, very little out in front of you to be, to be concealed. And most of those limits we were shooting this year were just trees over our heads. We'd put a few little piles of sticks in front of us, but nothing really to concern with. So I think a big part of it is, is knowing where you're at. Um, like some of the places you guys are, are, are hunting. You talked about the A-frames. Those are perfect fits. So I think getting to know exactly where you're going to be hunting and thinking what is the best way that I can completely hide in that environment and then supply yourself with all of that equipment that you need for each of the scenarios. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I guess I don't necessarily have a lot to add to that. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was just a sign. I was like, well, I'm going to see how long the silence will go. <laughs> I, um, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I've got, I've got lots of other, you know, there's all sorts of things you could talk about with concealment, like raffia grass versus grass mats and, and uh, how you go about brushing a layout boat, how you go about brushing a, uh, a big boat. I mean, there's just, it's endless. How do you go about brushing a um, layout blind, whether it's in the field or, I mean, there's just so many things yeah. to. My suggestion it. on that is when you think you're done, you're not and keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's totally true. I've never been upset about, you know, brushing in too much, you know, just you, you keep doing it and keep doing it. And until your gun's getting stuck on stuff, then you, then you're. <laughs> <laughs> then you're that's mad that you that's when you brush it too much is when you can't shoot out yeah have you actually had that experience or <laughs> so yeah i mean sometimes it's like you don't you, you you go to swing and you haven't made a big enough hole out in front of you mm. or cleared enough trees and so your your gun is catching in the limbs you know see for me it's usually i'm going up so like i'll be crouched and and i leave like the top open but you say you you guys do it different where you don't have that opening to kind of go through so you keep your gun close and you stand up through it and aim yeah or we in that in that situation um a lot of times we will do that in the water we'll get in some of these marshes where we get out in the marsh and there's a few little thickets like really 
sparse willowy thickets and we'll use our layout boat um if we don't have the layouts if we if we hadn't been planning on actually laying out we'll use one layout boat and cover it with those tarps and then fill the tops in with willows all around us and sit in front of the layout boats on little stools we bring I, we bring marsh stools wherever we go too i think i asked you this earlier but i can't did you say like when you use the the tarps and the the kind of braided camo stuff that uh what do you use to prop that up on just like vegetation and like like tree limbs and such or tree limbs paddles paddles tree limbs yeah hmm. so i wonder and if we there's like we do that a couple times a year okay we do do it you know like uh those kind of like frames that people have where uh, like uh, i'm trying to think of an example i mean it's almost like a just a way to prop it up where you have like a frame and it's it's got um, a point in the middle where it kind of swivels so it has like two and they're pinned together and then they they spring out right you have you ever seen those for canoe for canoes um i've seen something similar for that i wonder if uh pop up on a canoe you mean kind of it, it just goes over a canoe so it makes like an x pattern right so i have seen that yeah i've seen so that. i don't know if something like bringing like something like that in the marsh and then you can throw your kind of braided stuff for your top cover mm-hmm. would make a good mobile blind or not i have seen i don't know i can't remember what youtuber it was i've seen someone doing that hmm. where they just have a little canoe and they have a little x thing that pops up over it hmm. i want to try that because i i have a canoe and sometimes the hardest part for me is concealing my canoe away from where I'm hunting because it may like I have tons of tall, tall vegetation where I hunt and uh, I can usually just shove it in there, but it makes kind of like this well, all the stuff kind of gets folded out away from it. You know, mm-hmm. you push your canoe in there and everything spreads and then I go back and I smash it down around the edges of it, but it's still kind of sunk in, in that spot. Yeah. Um, you know, so one thing I, I kind of want to camo my canoe, but um, but another idea is kind of having some type of X pattern like that and getting the braided top cover that you're saying. And then even yeah. if you're not even using your canoe where I make my blind, putting that over my natural vegetation blind and then having an opening in the front with the top cover. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think the general rule that we follow is, um, as low to the water and to the ground as you can possibly be, the better off you are. Hmm. So I think hmm. something like, um, like we bought the Ascend H12s, which is a kayak from Bass Pro, and they're only yeah. they're only like seven hundred dollars. And then with that, for two hundred dollars, you can get a redhead blind attachment. And then we have put we've got rot by raffia grass and make little bundles of raffia grass, zip tie those on all the loops, and then when we get out to the field, use natural vegetation to fill in and stuff the loops, and that's going to be three i'm trying to think of those x planes you're talking about i think you're that's going to be three feet lower down than those x i think the lower you can get the better off that you're always can you only have one person in that though or yes okay Mm -hmm. only one person one person and a dog at least in that size they may have better ones but yeah it's typically one person so with that kayak um so one issue that um we have when we're hunting in the canoe like uh so i have or when we're using like boats like uh, sneak boats or that kind of stuff. So my buddy has a, one of my buddies has a sneak boat. I don't know which brand it is. Um, and I have my canoe. And so we'll go out of this creek down the river and set up. And then when we go back, like he had 
worked and struggled hard. Like I, I didn't even think he was going to make it back at points. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, he's trying to paddle that sneak boat and it's so wide yeah. and down mm-hmm. in the water that he can't, he's struggling and, and there's two people in it and he can't paddle it back. And I'm in my canoe with two people and my dog loaded down with gear, but it just yeah. cuts through the water so much better. So I wonder like, does your kayak have any issues or I know kayaks are usually no. pretty good for that. No, they don't. Um, the the problem with the layout boats is they're t- they're traditionally just totally flat on the bottom, and so mm-hmm. there's no I don't know what the terminology for them is, but there's no no rudder in at all. There's no grooves in the bottom where the the kayak is built for that. So like you get the because Aiden's a much faster paddler than I am, um, and he was in my dad's old pintail on the Kansas River, and I was in the H12, and he couldn't hardly keep up. Mm. And if we had the same thing, he would blow me away he's in a lot better shape than i am but those kayaks are built are built for that but kayak uh, layout boats are not in fact um our general rule with our layout boats was not to get in water over our head just because they're not designed for that that's not what they're designed to do so you think they might have a chance of sinking or well i know i i know i i almost sunk my eight footer one time and almost drowned um mm. But that was more my era of overloading it. But I feel I feel totally safe in that that kayak. I feel safer in that kayak because it sits up a little bit higher off the water. If you if you get in a one of the layout boats that I have, if you get in the water and you load those down and you're paddling and you look at how far the water is away from from coming over the top, you're typically talking six inches, which isn't is not much. Hmm. Sometimes even less than that, where the water will just lap up over the back, and you're talking three inches where you just don't have that much room for error as far as a dog, you know, getting off. If you get a wild dog or something and you get a little too much weight and you bend over a little too much one way, then um, now I never tipped any of my, of any of my layout boats or anything, but, or, well, I mean the one small one, any of my bigger ones, but the kayak, I feel a lot because it just sits up higher. It's designed for more of that type of condition. So that's yeah. why I think that H12 is the per, I was against going with the kayaks. Um, until I actually saw the one my dad got and took a look at it. And man, to me, it is the perfect all-terrain duck hunting, <laughs> non-motorized duck hunting boat. Gotcha. Yeah, I kind of agree that uh, kayaks are the way to go. The only issue I had was when I was deciding uh, what I was going to use for my boat when I started hunting, it was between a kayak and a canoe. But um, for me, I I wanted to hunt with a lot of people that don't hunt. Mm-hmm. Um and they're not going to have a way, a means of transportation out there. So that's why I went with the canoe, even though I think I, I agree with you, like kayaks are better, um, yeah. especially since but, you can lay out in them. So but you need to keep your canoe and get yourself a kayak. Yeah, that is, that's, yeah. Then, then there's the issue of money though. But <laughs> there's yeah, so, there's so many things to buy, especially when you do like the YouTube stuff because your funds for the hunting and oh, YouTube split in between cameras and <laughs> I'm just so in love with the H12. It has been such an upgrade for us from just a traditional layout boat because I, I was hunting with a hood and my shooting percentage was terrible because I always shoot terrible when I have to flip a hood up over my head. And then I went to doors for only $900. I went to um, the kayak with doors on it, totally brushed in with natural stuff. Everything is better as far as it was such an upgrade from the way we were doing it. So with your dog though, your dog and like gear, how much, like how many decoys can you take in a kayak or do you have to like pull something behind you or, um, let's see, Izzy would go in the very front. I could probably get, you know, three, four dozen. 
Okay, so that's pretty good. So your kayak yeah. must be pretty spacious. Yeah, it is. It's 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 deep. It's deep hold. You know, when you think of a kayak, and when I always thought of one, I thought of those ones where the guys kind of sitting up high, you know. And but these are actually function more like a, a small canoe. They're just a little bit lower. So it's the um, open top and all that kind of yep. stuff too, right? Mm -hmm. The yeah, only thing so we had to do is is that blind we bought didn't have any means of hiding a dog, so we had to invent a system to hide Izzy and Candy, so, which we had already been doing in our layout boats. My dad came up with this little system with Bimini, Bimini hinges and oh, what's that? Maybe Luke will tell me, he keeps helping me. <laughs> um, <laughs> these little, you can bend these little poles. Gosh, what are those called? Conduit, conduit? Uh, conduit, Gon conduit, wow, now I can't you know say it either. About. Help me, help me out, Luke. He's Con on the, conduit, on the there we go. Yes, <laughs> and you can bend those, and so my dad worked this system where he made Bimini hinges were, uh, those are like what they use on, um, boats that have little tops that can slide up back. My, my vocabulary is terrible on all this information, but, um, anyway, my dad made this little system for putting a hood for the dog and then we covered it with raffia grass and all that. So we just transferred that system to the H 12 and that was conduit conduit. Yeah. So uh, that that was the one thing that we had to come up with to hide the dog. But once we did that, um, everything was perfect. Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing those in your videos. Look, like yeah, I've never were, been more hidden. Work pretty good. I've never been well before. We were creating our own um, grass mats and rolling them up, and we were we were just completely covering them with raffia grass. So we'd get like um, garden fencing plastic fence. And we would zip tie bundles of raffia to those and just basically make big raffia blankets and then roll them up into like, like a little um, bundle, take them out with us and then unroll them and just pull them on us like a blanket. And those did not work well at all. But once, once we got to the actual blind being on the kayak that had doors that you had raffia on and then filling it in with the natural stuff is just a million times. We decoyed ducks with that this year. We never would have decoyed under the old system. Hmm. I wonder if I could add like uh, the stabilizer. You know how like people put like stabilizers on the side of a canoe or like a boat and just make my, uh -huh. my, my canoe, like put one on either side to make it into this like huge sneak boat. <laughs> no, hold on. Say that again. I don't understand that. Okay. So, you know, like, uh, so I could lay, I'm trying to say so I could lay out in my canoe. Right. Uh -huh. But you, like currently you couldn't because it's too unstable. So you, you yeah. have like a, like, I don't know, on, like, older canoe-style, like, almost sailboats, like, the thing I'm thinking of. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. And it's got, like, gotcha. a um, a stabilizer that comes off the side, right? And it's just another yep. thing that's floating in the water over there. I could put one yeah. on either side of it and put a bunch of, like, grass and camo all over it and all over the canoe. And then I'd have a giant sneak boat. That sounds like way too much work. I'm never going to find it out sounds, that yeah. works. <laughs> that's way too much work. We, I have actually those exact stabilizers you're talking about. I have downstairs in my basement. We yeah. had a huge cargo canoe that we used for years and years and years. My dad did. I mean, this thing was massive. And uh, one time we made a really bad decision and went across the lake in the middle of the night with a dog and three guys and a million piles of gear. And, and the sides of those canoe were like two inches from water i mean we could have easily died on this deal this was back in the 90s when we were doing stupid stuff <laughs> and um after that trip my dad immediately went out and purchased those their styrofoam arms like except to go on ours it went on both sides hmm. so you could take them clear you could stand up in a canoe once you use those things wow yeah they I were need great, something like but, that <laughs> but the job you're talking about would be massive yeah i was kind of saying it more of a joke but in, it, in yeah. A, <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. Hey, but thanks you for the sub, Caden. <laughs> yeah. You could use those big tarps and then throw um, natural grass on top of it. I have a video from like two years ago where um, Chief tipped us out of the canoe. It was before hunting season, though. <laughs> oh, do you have it on video? Yep, yep. I lost my cell phone, like multiple fishing pools. Like we're in the river, and he, and uh, oh my gosh. he was like five months old, and um, he see he sees some uh, sandhill cranes, and he jumps up into my lap, and it's like. this is a bad plan because I was fly fishing in a canoe with a dog and we're both all the way in the back of the canoe so super unstable and I'm sitting down fly fishing and he jumps in my lap and it just tips us right over (laughs) I've got to go back and watch your old videos there's a ton of your videos that I haven't watched I got to get that done yeah you know I mean most of the old ones are not really you know let's just say (laughs) a lot of my season one videos I I look at and I'm like oh my gosh Hmm. that's how it goes all right, I guess let's jump to uh, the Facebook group and uh, see kind of some of the community pictures. So, anyways, guys, um, if you guys haven't joined us at the Fellowship of the Duck Gun, that's where we continue the conversation afterwards, after these podcasts, all throughout the week, sharing our you know our pictures of our success and failure and, and discussion. So, head on over there. It's Fellowship of the Duck Gun. It is linked down in the description down below. Um, it is a private group. We try to keep it clean and cool in there. Uh, you know, we don't. We don't allow haters and trolls in there, so you don't have to worry about that. It's just us, and we're having a good time. Jordan's the only troll in the group. <laughs> I'm the biggest troll, so. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and second monitor. Let's go to the photos in here. So we have been seeing some people's turkey pictures, I think, from last week. Um, obviously not, not any... Uh, um, not any ducks this time of year. So, uh, this is John's dad. That's a uh, Marsh assassin. If you're wondering who that is, this is dad. Um, and, uh, we got a lab right there and, uh, a Chessie. Those are Beth's and then, um, chance and his grandpa, grandpa shot, uh, two Jake's and chance got his, uh, Tom, nice big Tom. And then we got a uh, um, young gun Elliot from last week. <laughs> yep, the young me. I think I decided I was thirty in that picture. Thirty, <laughs> you know, yep. I've been I've been kind of brainstorming, and uh, you know, I think what was it like episode three? We talked about how you need um, that you need a nickname, and oh, everybody yeah. in your group has one. Uh-huh. And I think I think I'm gonna be the one that comes up with one. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, we'll see. you know, I got a couple in the, you know, in the chamber that I might be throwing out here and there. We'll just, you know, you know, we'll, we'll test <laughs> them out. Chef Wardy wasn't bad. Chef <laughs> was kind of okay. Yeah. Well, see, I'm not sure if you're supposed to like necessarily like or be a big fan of your nickname. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't have to be like, you know, hateful or mean or anything, but you know. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So, so you know yeah. that I emailed Chef Wardy about a partnership. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> So those of you that are listening, if you haven't watched my videos, it's freelance duck hunting. And one of the running themes is that I love Chef Wardy. And um, mid-hunt, we always make a fire and have soup. And and I typically bring in Chef Wardy. So I'm like, you know what? That would be the coolest thing to, to get them to, to sponsor <laughs> freelance duck hunting. And I sent, I sent away a not very well thought out impromptu email. <laughs> I got back just like the most, it's like when you write the president, you know, and you get some like mass copied thing with a stamp on it. 
<laughs> that was the kind of basic response that I got. It was just some <laughs> some uh, con dan- some canned answer of like, just please leave us alone. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to promote your product on duck hunting videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on, man. I, I bet you that there has been more Chef Boardy purchased. Now, it might only be five or six cans. Yeah, but I mean, I, we should probably get our buyer stock in it. <laughs> I know. Keep it up, man. I love get that some, stuff. Get some SpaghettiOs. <laughs> I'm, I'm Jones. I haven't had some for a while. I may have to take some out. What's your uh, What's your can of choice? Is it the just the regular ravioli that they're famous for? The mini or? raviolis. The mini okay. raviolis are the best because the big ones. It's you, you don't either you're gonna put the whole thing in your mouth or if you try to bite it in half, it kind of slides apart. So if mm. you get the mini raviolis, they're perfect size to pop into your mouth. So you get the full effect of um, the ravioli on each bite. Mm. And just when I thought there wasn't a science to eating ravioli, I have been proven wrong. <laughs> well, did you see the video when I was dipping it, uh, dipping the uh, duck in the, the ravioli? Yep, yeah. So there good. you go. There's your pitch for uh, the, them right there. You need they need a duck line, oh. and you you can provide it. <laughs> the duck line is you can use ravioli or you can use Shepwardy as a duck glaze. <laughs> I want to see. I want to see your video during the season, where you talk about your duck preparation and like partway through, and you're like, and I marinate it for twelve hours in ravioli sauce. And <laughs> I got to do it. Okay, you just pull it out of the fridge. Challenge you got a accepted. Ziploc bag full of ravioli sauce and duck. <laughs> hey, it's gonna happen now. All Challenge right, and then I'll send that video to Chef Weird. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> The problem with Shepard is like they have like a, a mothering company that oversees like multiple brands. Yeah, it's like Pepsi or something like that. It's yeah. they're all the same company or Nabisco. I need to talk or... to someone at Shepard. I need to demand it. Mm. Talk to someone in charge. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I guess let's uh, open it up to questions. Um, we're at the hour mark, but if you guys got questions, throw them in the the, the um, chat right now. Let's get to them. And uh, Greybeard, Greybeard will be the first one to answer him. Is that, is that me? <laughs> <laughs> you I mean, know, I tried to do that Komen uh, die about two years ago. Oh, yeah? Yeah. My wife, it was her idea. And I'm like, <laughs> since I started the channel, I'm like, there's no way I can do that now. <laughs> you, you could just say, you, you could blame it on the Chef Boy I do. You just like, you, you, you eat enough of this and it brings back color to your beard. <laughs> That yeah, it could be a slow progression video where my my beard is slowly getting brown from eating Chef Boyardee. Mm. You just like uh, what we do is you like drizzle a little bit into your beard and you like wipe it away and you notice <laughs> you notice that the color came back. <laughs> now we probably like every last podcast viewer is now uh, deleted this download. <laughs> like I thought this was about concealment. <laughs> Concealing my gray, yeah. There you go. Name. Yep. So uh, one of the things we didn't talk about with concealment is uh, your thoughts on on face paint. Oh yeah, um, you I know that's one. That of... Face paint's great. I, I prefer to not use it because it's greasy and hard to get off. So what I like is a mask <laughs> that has a mouth opening. Mm. That's my favorite. But I do carry face paint with me. You can, around Halloween if you go and you can pick up tons of little tubes of black face paint for a buck. So I've got three or four of those, and I always have it in my bag with me um, and will use it if I don't have a face mask because I'm always losing my face masks. So anytime that I, I have black on my face, it's because I've lost my face mask. Hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm a fan of face paint. Like I, th- I think it works, and I think it looks 
it looks cool. So uh, yeah, I'm a fan of both. <laughs> yeah, you play with yours. You get artistic with your. Oh, name, I, I do like the same pattern every time. Well, still, <laughs> it, it helps me intimidate the ducks. I think I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you what is absolutely true, um, is that your face reflects sunlight, mm-hmm. and especially. And my dad said this in the comments, um, which is true. On a blue, on a on a clear day, if you have the sun in your face you're not going to be more hidden on a clear day with the sun directly in your face. Cause your face works like a beacon with the sunlight. So yeah. if you're, if you're going to have, especially on, uh, I think every single day you should have something over your face, whether it's a face mask or face paint, your face needs to be covered or you're not as concealed. So the way I think about it, and I know this is a lot of speculation, but you know how, like if you're ever like across a room and like just out of your peripheral, only you like see somebody's like face or something, and mm-hmm. it, it just like for whatever reason that draws attention, and mm-hmm. uh, you know I'm not sure I'm not positive, but I feel like that ducks might be able to to be able to recognize it similarly, and having oh, the no face doubt. paint uh, breaks up the profile as well. You know, it just uh, it just doesn't look like a face as much when you have that. Well, if you have nothing on your face and you look left and look right it's a reflection that ducks are going to see. So, and even if you don't move it, they're going to see it, but especially if you move it, then that's just movement that they're going to see. And they're going to identify that. Absolutely certain. You have to have something over your face. If, and now if you're in some big built blind where, you know, you're flipping down doors at the last second, or even, even in a, in our layout boats, you, you, you don't really have to have them because we, you have covering over your face, but something has to be covered over your face or you're going to flare, you're going to flare birds. Yep. It's just whether I want to wash all that crap off my face afterward or not. Yeah. That's the issue. I'm, I'm thinking about starting to bring baby wipes with me because a lot of times I hunt before work and that's when I don't use face paint because, um, you know, one time I did use it and you just look like you almost look like you had uh, like mascara and you cried and <laughs> you're walking around the <laughs> office like that. I'm like, uh, let's, let's not do that. <laughs> what did they, what do the people at work say about your duck hunting? Are they pretty tolerant or are they kind of more the, I try to keep it on the down crowd. low, but, uh, I mean, there's definitely some liberal crowd there, but, uh, you know, I only kind of interact with my department and so I keep it on the download as much as possible. But like, I mean, sometimes, um, I, I come to work, my canoe strapped on top of my Jeep. So it's not like a secret, you know, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've walked yeah. into, into work, you know, and it's an office with cubicles and, you know, I try to like sneak in the back way and get to the bathroom. I did that like one time and I'm like, and I walked in full camo with face, face paint on oh and went to the bathroom and, you know, washed my face off and changed my clothes. But I'm like, this is just not a good idea. And it probably doesn't look professional. So I don't do that anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> how, how many birds do you kill? That day? <laughs> uh, I had a full limit in my truck. Or my in Jeep. your truck right here. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Nice. And, and, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes I bring chief in there too. So I know some people might not be a fan of that, but I put his doghouse in there and he'll, he'll sit in there and he's as snug as a bug in a rug. So that's cool. I don't get to work before hunt before work at all. I just can't do it. Yeah. I mean, but you probably are in a stricter starting time. Yeah. Yeah. I got to be there by well, depending on what time of year it is, this time of year towards the end, seven thirty. But before that, like seven, seven thirty. I mean, sometimes I'm only hunting forty five minutes to an hour. So I mean, you oh my be, gosh! <laughs> I mean, you get, you you get your get first flight. Too. Yeah, you get your first flight. You get your birds from that. It's two or three, and then you just leave. Everything's fresh and new to you, <laughs> which is great. 
<laughs> yeah, like I'll go with my buddy. I shoot one bird. He's like, that wasn't worth it. I'm like, it was worth it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one bird sometimes is totally worth it. There's a huge difference between shooting one bird and no birds. I've had days you sit three hours and have nothing. You shoot one bird and it's like makes your whole day, especially if they're yeah. like coasting down the decoys, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I think your wife wants you to actually not use the black coloring. She wants red. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fumblemitz beer is beard was red when he was my age. Mm. A not so well known fact. <laughs> so we got crap, Captain Graybeard and wow, Captain Graybeard and Captain Redbeard. Yeah, it's family family tradition. <laughs> I wonder if my wife wants me to use that dye in on my beard. It's not happening though. Mm. I don't know. I'll have to ask her after this is over. She's quite a bit younger than me, so she probably does. <laughs> hmm. All right. Well, I think that kind of covers the concealment topic. What do you? You got anything else to add on that? Or, um, I would just say, like like you said before, if you think that you have enough concealment, get more. And the, the only thing I was gonna say that I forgot is that sometimes other people and myself included. It's like you only start really concealing when the ducks won't come in and you miss out on three or four or five passes mm -hmm. before you're fully properly concealed and taking the extra 15 minutes to get yourself completely locked in sealed is going to be worth it. Even if there's some birds flying. Gotcha. Now, would you say the same for, uh, for the face paint as well? You know, if you think you have enough, then you, you need more. <laughs> um, yeah, I would like to see a little more on yours. I, I want to see you mix <laughs> up what you do with yours a little bit mm. and see if you can get a different little different colors stylistic. or <laughs> uh -huh. yeah, a little more stylistic. Mm, I wouldn't count on it. I'm, I'll probably stick with the tried and true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you call it, the upside down antlers or <laughs> yeah, guys like to get pretty crazy with it. But yeah. I just smear it on. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. Well, I guess that's a wrap for us, guys. So. Thanks for joining us as always. Um, you know, next week, uh, what do we got? 60 day TV next week. Yep. Yep. 60 day TV on Elliot's channel. So, uh, you know, we'll see you guys there. Take care. All right.